Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. It's Matt. Welcome to Beyond Politics. I am nominally on vacation, but of course, Donald Trump had to get indicted a second time, had to get arraigned yesterday. And my old friend Howard Monroe, a legendary West Virginia radio broadcaster, was kind enough to invite me onto his radio program this morning, so I couldn't say no. And so we talked a little bit about the arraignment and the implications, what this moment means, what the politics are, what it means for the Republican Party, what it means for America. And uh, there are not a lot of clear-cut answers at this point. It's a breathtaking place that we've landed in, but we were able to give a few polling numbers. And Howard and his producer, Bob, came up with some interesting ideas about where this might all be going. So hope you enjoy it. And with that, here's Howard Monroe. Let me welcome in my old friend, Matt Robeson. He is a former congressional staffer, campaign consultant, a podcaster, a blogger, writes for numerous online magazines, and he's here with us this morning. Matt, I appreciate your diligence and your desire to join us since I think we're getting you on vacation. You are. Every conversation with you is like a vacation. It's uh, it's a break from the real world. By the way, I hear that you're giving a new definition to Jesus take the wheel. So good good for you. Jeez. All right. Any let's do, I want to talk to Trump. I got a lot of different angles I want to get into with you. Let's throw it to you first. Trump indicted 37 federal charges uh, in court yesterday. He was arraigned didn't look very happy. I didn't see him, obviously, because we didn't have pictures there, but reading the New York Times description of him, he apparently was a very unhappy man sitting there. Just your general thoughts off the top of your head on this Trump indictment. I like everything having to do with Donald Trump. It floods the zone of your senses, right? <laughs> There's It's everything, everywhere, all at once. And I, so it's hard to know where to begin, the unprecedented historic nature of it, the reaction from the Republican Party and Fox News, which ranged from, it was like the five stages of grief all at once. Since we're talking about automotive spirituality this morning, this is an example of the old, if you ride with the devil long enough, pretty soon he's going to take the wheel. And you could see in the Washington, the Wall Street Journal editorial reaction this morning, obviously Wall Street Journal owned by Rupert Murdoch, and they took this very interesting line of saying, why did you put us in this position? We have to now attack you and fault you for this. Why did you do this? And you see this in the statements from Republican senators, including Shelley Moore Capito. These are serious charges. This Lisa Murkowski, this is pretty damning. You know, and so you, you see a Republican Party coming to terms with the fact that they can't defend the indefensible here, although Fox News is, is trying their level best. And they really don't know what to do. It's a shattering thing. And the, the, and the entire Republican Party in the country is all going through it. And we're all confused 
what to feel about it. I wonder how many – there are Republicans who are really far to his corner. They're in his corner. They're supporting him. Jim Jordan and others. I saw Jim Jordan yesterday is talking about a congressional investigation into these indictments and all, it's just crazy stuff like that. I wonder if any of them in the back of their head are going, but what if he's convicted? <laughs> what limb have we put ourselves on that if he's convicted will saw us off and will crash to the ground? I wonder if they think about that. I, they must. I think the louder we put out a video on my YouTube channel, it's called Blue Amp, called MAGA Panic Friday night. And we, so that your listeners don't have to, we went ahead and watched the Fox News coverage after the indictment came out. And we took a super cut of that. And the best, and the thing that stands out is just how much panic there is. And the more they know this is bad, the louder, more shrill and more extreme they become. Jim Jordan's mouth noises about, oh, we're going to investigate this. He knows deep down that this is really bad. And this is an argument that I've been making ever since the New York set of 34 indictments. Let's see, that's 37 in Florida. We got 34 in New York. Who knows how many more coming? Is that this is ultimately much worse than the Fox News talking heads want to let on because they know that this kind of thing doesn't wear well. If you look at the immediate polling, that we saw in the aftermath of the news about this indictment. What you saw was about half of all Americans, 48%, saying, yeah, they, these charges are should have been brought. And you see about 60% of Americans saying these are very serious charges. And then you've got the standard 35% saying, oh, no, don't charge Trump. That's about the level of his baseline of support. There's what was really interesting to me... Trump supporters that is never going to ever, first place, they'll believe anything he says and anything said against him they don't believe. But that number is a proscribed number. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it isn't growing, and it may even be shrinking a little bit. They're vocal. That's it. Question about it, but they're a proscribed number. But that's perfect. That's exactly the perfect way to put it. And in fact, if you look at CBS News and YouGov took a look at this exact question, among likely Republican primary voters, do the charges change your view of Trump? 61%. Now, there was a poll done about seven years ago in which they asked Republican voters, is there anything Donald Trump could do that would change your view of him? Do you know what percentage said that there was not? 62%. So that number, just like you said, remarkably consistent. And now it's been manifested in the form of this classified documents indictment. So my point is, you're exactly right, Howard, that there is that there is that base of support that is literally saying nothing he does will change us. But then you've got, in the back to the ABC News polling, you've got 17% of Americans saying they don't know yet. And that's consistent with other polling, about 22% of independents say they're not sure yet. And it's exactly what you said, is that do you see those numbers getting better for Trump? There's room to grow for people as they learn more about this to dislike it more. Is there a realistic scenario where people are going to find out more about this and say, now that I've learned more about these indictments, boy, I really think Trump is getting a raw deal. I think one of the, one of the reasons you have a 17% in that one poll you're talking about, and I think just an awful lot of the general public is withholding final decision on this, is that we really have heard no defense. 
Right. We've heard obfuscation and distractions and smoke and mirrors and fog, but we haven't heard really any defense of the crimes themselves. And yeah, I was talking about this at some length yesterday in our statewide show. Is it politically motivated? I don't think so. But you know what? Even if it is, it doesn't make any difference. Are the facts of the case correct? And we have heard no no defense on the facts of the case by Donald Trump and his supporters. We hear conversation that it's all Biden's fault. We hear the uh, Biden did it, Hillary did it, and Pence did it. I use the analogy of my kids. When my kids were little, I would, you know, one of them would take a cookie, and I would say, you can't take that cookie. And they'd say, Jason took a cookie. I don't care if Jason took a cookie. You shouldn't take the cookie. All these distractions, but we're not hearing anything in terms of Trump saying, I didn't do it, or here's why I didn't do it. Or we're hearing very little of that, at least. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Absolutely. And one of the benefits I get, I co-host this, the podcast Beyond Politics, and my co-host is both a former member of Congress, so he has a lot of experience in the politics realm, but he's also a former prosecutor who used to prosecute white-collar crimes. And he has been making this distinction, Paul Hodes, between defenses you can make in the court of public opinion and defenses that you can make in a court of law. The defenses that Donald Trump has put forward thus far publicly, they boil down to two. One is, I never shared these documents. True, they were full of secrets, but I didn't. There's no evidence that I gave them to the Russians. I gave them to the Chinese. And that's true um, as far as there is no evidence. But you don't actually have to have done that. And there are many examples of people who are serving lengthy prison sentences while not while not actually divulging classified secrets. And then there's this kind of what about it? It's true. Hillary Clinton wasn't charged. But what it comes down to there, and there's an excellent analysis of this in the Washington Post, is that they didn't try to hide the fact that they had these documents and they didn't refuse to give them back. Mm. And we have Trump on tape apparently admitting that not only did he take these, but that they were still classified and he had never declassified them and he knew about it the whole time. And so these defenses may work to confuse the issue in the court of public opinion, but they will not wash in a court of law. And that's his some of those are Some of those are defenses against a crime that he is not accused of. As you point out, he's not accused of transferring the documents to a third party. He's not accused of giving them to Iran or whatever. He's all, And so that doesn't make any difference. He had the documents. He could have. I wonder why he had them. Was he ever thinking about that? But that's not what he's charged with. He's charged with having the documents. The argument that he was the president and he was able to declassify them before he went out of office, it doesn't make any difference. Although it's fascinating that the documents are classified, the issue is not that they were classified documents. It is that they were documents he's not permitted to have. So these issues can explain away a crime that he is not accused of. He's accused of taking the documents that did not belong to him, holding and refusing to return them, and then comes the obstruction of justice, actually trying to hide them from prosecutors. Absolutely. And the longer this goes on... I, it's an interesting thing you bring up that we confronted this early in Trump's 
term where he basically blew the cover of an undercover Israeli agent and could have cost that person their life. And the defense at the time was he does have the authority as president to declassify. Okay. But I think what the public got was, oh, my gosh, why would you do that? This is still bad underneath it all. And even if you did technically in your mind declassify the document with our secret contingency plans to attack Iran, why would you have those things? Okay, maybe they're technically declassified. You do not want foreign agents to have them. And so, again, I think a lot of the – it goes back to the point that the screeching you get on Fox, the louder it gets, the more they realize, my gosh, this is painful to have to defend this indefensible behavior. And that also takes us full circle to those independents or those undecided voters who say, I haven't heard quite enough about this yet to make up my mind about whether it was bad or not. As time goes on, this will not wear well. And that's why I continue to maintain, as I wrote about in Newsweek after Alvin Bragg brought the New York charges, that all of this is worse than Republicans want to let on because it will not go well over time. There is not a good defense. There's plenty of confusion that you can sow out there. You can muddy the waters, but that doesn't defend you in a court of law. And over time, people are smart and they fundamentally will get the idea that none of this is good and none of it is what you want in a future president. Matt, I need to take a break. Can you hang on for a few minutes? Absolutely. Can I, uh, can I suggest a radio tease? Yes, please do. I was going to do my own, but I'd much rather have yours. Go for it. Okay. Well, this is just my straw proposal, my suggestion to you. When we come back, Matt will tell you how a jury could convict Trump and the judge could still let him go free. How's that? That sounds good. I like it. It's where I was going to take us anyways. We'll do that with us in on the phone line is Matt Robeson, our political analyst here this morning, and we're spending our time talking about the Trump indictment. You alluded to, Matt, and you're absolutely on a critical point. The judge in this case has the potential to just actually throw some real wrenches in the mechanism, right? Yes, and there are quite a number, including all kinds of things like a lot of the government's case it hinges on the fact that Evan Corcoran, the attorney for Donald Trump, took a lot of notes in which Trump essentially, boy, he pretty much laid out like, let's hide these things. Let's not give them to the government. I know that this is really bad. I'm committing a crime. Will you help me get away with a crime? One thing that the Trump legal team is sure to do is to make a motion for all that evidence to be suppressed. And Eileen Cannon, the Trump appointee who has already shown herself to, there's not a more polite way to say this, to be a hack and to be deeply in the tank for Trump. She was the judge on the special master's case before, and she was overturned on appeals, if I remember correctly. And Absolutely. And said, oh, my God, that ruling of hers was wrong, but it was a pro-Trump ruling, and she was overturned on appeal on that. Absolutely. And that whole legal master situation was, it was seen at legal travesty. It was so transparently, blatantly a political decision rather than a legally grounded decision. And so there's real concern that she might do things like saying, okay, Trump, I will allow you to suppress this evidence and we won't admit it. Now, some of these issues, some of these shenanigans that the Trump legal team can get up to, they're not all shenanigans. You're allowed to present a defense under our system of justice and rightfully so. 
the maneuvers, I should say, that the Trump legal team, she could be very favorable to their side. All of that, though, doesn't bother me that much because these things can be appealed and justice delayed and et cetera. But on my show, I had the legal scholar Steve Vladek on Beyond Politics this week, the audio version I just put out last night. He is an expert on the Supreme Court. He's written a bestseller about the Supreme Court. And he dropped this mind-blowing thing on me, which is that there's an obscure rule called Rule 29 in federal legal procedure that allows the judge to essentially acquit Trump after a jury has found him guilty. And here's the key thing, Howard. This is not appealable by the Department of Justice. So we could go through all of this, and in theory, Judge Eileen Cannon could say, Trump is convicted. Okay, nope, that's cute. I am going to find him not guilty, set him free, and there's nothing the Department of Justice can do about it. You, the jury, that is not guilty. great. You, the jury, found him guilty, but I, the judge, said, yeah, not so much. That's exactly it. Now, my, my co-host, Paul Hodes, the former prosecutor, and Professor Vladek explained that there are good reasons to have this rule. There are times where a jury may be a runaway jury. There might be a miscarriage of justice. And our system trusts judges to be a final line of defense to make sure that justice is done. And that's good. That's a good thing. The problem we have here, when you have someone who is, again, to mince words, a partisan hack. Now, There have been a variety of opinions about this. Joyce Vance, the MSNBC legal analyst, maintains that there is a good chance that the DOJ will be able to have Judge Cannon removed from the case. Professor Vladek is not so sure. It's up to the 11th Court of Appeals, and he thinks that they will be quite deferential to keeping her in place. So we will have to wait and see, but that is a major wild card in all of this. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. The big, I guess the biggest thing that she could do would be to overturn a jury verdict I, that you were just talking about. But short of that, the biggest thing that she could do, I think, is to create delays. Because the one thing Trump likes, and what he really wants right now especially, is to delay this as long as possible. Maybe get it up to the election time and thinking to himself, if I get elected, this whole thing goes away. So, although in Florida they do have a, what they call it, the rocket docket down there where you're supposed to move things pretty quickly, if the judge is able to find ways to accept motions that delay the case further and further down the road, and that's Donald Trump's strategy since he was 12 years old, I think, is to delay things, that could, to me, that's short of overturning a verdict. That's the worst thing she could do. That is clear. I agree. I agree. Part of the strategy here for Trump, not only on the chance that he can get himself elected president again, which kind of puts him out of reach. But also, I made the case earlier in the show that none of this, none of the facts of the case here, will wear well on the public. But at the very top of the show, we said that my reaction to all the events of yesterday was, wow, it really floods the zone. It's, it overwhelms the senses. Is there a better description for Donald Trump's whole public demeanor and life? Is... <laughs> 
to overwhelm us with it's like rotating credit card debt it's oh man i overdrew on my credit card you know what i'm going to do i'm going to move that debt to another credit card and every time there's a trump scandal he would basically overdraw on our senses on another scandal and do something worse over here and then we'd get overwhelmed and confused and lose the thread and there is a little bit of a danger of that here that is why a lot of folks don't understand why can't the media hold him accountable even the best of the reporters who have sat down with him have a hard time doing it because, well, first of all, he lies. But secondly, he just, he, I like your phrase, he overloads the zone. He just pushes out a million and one things, and you're like, okay, I've got to find a straw to hold on to if you're interviewing him, and you don't know where to go with it because that's just his style. It's, it's on the Internet. It's called Brandolini's Law, which is also known as the BS asymmetry principle. It takes so many words to debunk a single falsehood that the, the lie just gets further and further ahead of you. And when you're throwing more and more lies and more and more issues. So my concern, back to your point about Judge Cannon and that she could provide delay here, that that would be a poor thing. I think that's a very astute point because one thing that could happen here is we could get further charges from the special counsel, Jack Smith, in the January 6th case. We could get further charges, which were expected. There's a real likelihood that there, he will be charged in Georgia by Danny Willis for the post-election skullduggery there. And at a certain point, his court of public opinion defense of, oh, this is all a witch hunt, they're all out to get me, it will, there is a risk that this all becomes very confusing for the public, and it becomes hard to keep track of what he's being charged with and what's full of merit and what's a little less strong of a case. And the public could get confused by all of this, and it could begin to feel like a confusing Matt, Matt, I wanted to ask you, let's say things go completely south for former President Trump. Just the worst things could happen. Certainly, President Biden would step in and offer a pardon if he would just go away. Wouldn't that be the way, the best way for it to play out? Oh, my gosh. That's, boy, that's smart. I Maybe. I don't know if that's in Joe Biden's nature, but there is something very attractive. First of all, you lost me for half a second there when you're like, let's say the worst thing happens to Donald Trump. I'm like, hold on. I'm just going to need a minute here to visualize. He wasn't going down. He wasn't going down. But there is something attractive to go away money, right? What would it take to just make you go away? I, boy, I, if we could have in 2015. Isn't that really what... I know there are people who want to see him in orange jumpsuit behind bars, and in my mind, I think that would be great. But there would be a lot of – that would not be good for the country. What we really want is for him to go away and never come back. Isn't that really the upshot we'd like to see out of this? At this point, yes for me, no for a lot of people. I know. That's the real issue is that – let's okay, so let's say this canon thing. All the outcomes are bad. This is my way of ultimately saying you're both right. You're right. You're totally right. That is the best outcome because all the outcomes are bad. Otherwise, if Trump is convicted, it could be we've had a January 6th. Yeah. It could be – the reaction could be very bad. If he is convicted and Judge Cannon basically says, nope, get out of jail free card for you, Donald, that would be very bad. Now, the left and the center of this country are not violent the way the right wing is, but the reaction, the sense that our politics is completely broken down – would be palpable throughout the country. So I would, I don't know. I'm going to have to really think on this one, but I think you bring up a really attractive idea. I, I personally I would probably take the deal. Pardon idea. I had thought that a 
settlement in the case could be no prison time, but an agreement that you don't run for office and will never run for office again. A pardon would be an interesting way to, to get a, to get that outside the legal system, but into the. Uh, that's actually a really good point. I my my oldest son last night, he said, Dad, here's what I think they should do: getting closer to the jury time, and when it's clear he's going to lose, the judge should simply say, Mr. Trump, remember, I didn't take your passport, and you still have millions of dollars, and I'm sure Mr. Putin would be happy to have a visit from you. And just go away, just just go away. That's Boy, the order. Yeah. Away. It's such a good theoretical idea, but I'll turn the question back on you. Do you see a world practically where it could happen? That's my question. I'm not sure I know the answer. Not the running away part. I think that a lot will depend on how the case moves forward. And you and I look at this now with the facts of the indictment. As I said, we really have not seen anything that resembles the defense, not even a suggestion of what the defense is other than it's politically motivated. As time goes by, if we get a better feel for the defense and they get a better feel for how strong that defense is going to be, it may be that Donald Trump, it's not in his nature ever to give up, but one thing he doesn't want to be is behind bars. I I don't see it in his nature. I don't see it in Joe Biden's nature. I don't see it being a practical political outcome. But what I think you're highlighting is the fact that Really, we're not, it's not like we're all kind of one mind trying to decide what's the best outcome here. There are lots of different agendas. There are different prosecutors. There are different legal cases going on. And a lot of the outcomes here are not great. And I think it's right to separate. I was joking a moment ago about the vision of the worst possible thing happening to Donald Trump being, ooh, (laughs) that's intriguing. But I don't really, I'm not like wishing for human suffering for someone else. And I also, I'm not so sure that the best thing is for, is for Trump to suffer. I agree with you. I'm not sure that I'm as interested in punishment as I am in moving forward as a country without further destruction. It makes funny memes to see him in the orange jumpsuit behind, a caricature of him in an orange jumpsuit behind bars in a prison. But in real life, I am one of these ones who think that image will be bad for the country. And if there's a way we can avoid it, but getting him out of the picture, that's the critical thing to get him out of the picture. If we can avoid that man in prison, although I know a lot of people feel that's the only way we make a point that no one's above the law. I, I just Can I give you a very hopeful note as we draw to a close? Yes. Back to polling for a minute. CBS News, you go. Among likely Republican primary voters, would you prefer Donald Trump to talk about future plans for the country? 96% they would. 4% would. The investigations against him, 61% would prefer that he not talk about that. What happened in 2020? 68% of Republicans don't want to hear any more about that. So there is a sense, even among Republicans, that they want to move forward somehow. They do not want to keep relitigating all of his crimes, quite literally. And they also, they don't want to keep going with the big lie. They want to move forward. And I guess there's a silver lining in that, that maybe there's something that we can all agree on. Matt, i got to run. I appreciate your time today, especially since you're on vacation. Thank you for joining me today. Good insight, as always. Have yourself a good vacation, whatever you're doing. Uh, finish it up, and we'll talk again probably. There's a lot going to be going on, so we'll probably be talking a lot as we this year moves by. Meanwhile, people can check you out online. Of course, your Twitter is M. Matt L. Robeson. Met L. Robeson, okay. And then always look at the Blue Amp channel on YouTube where you have and your team have 
a variety of uh, YouTube uh, videos, and I think your podcasts are there as well. But if you don't find them on YouTube, find the Beyond Politics podcast and tell me, what's the big thoughts? What's the other one called? Great ideas, which we've Great folded ideas. into Beyond Politics, so we can keep it simple. All right, Beyond Politics, you can find them wherever podcasts are available. And, Matt, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for joining us this morning. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Take care.